I was thinking this week. You know how they have, like Hollywood always does these, or at least they don't do it so much anymore, I guess. But when we were growing up, they would always do like two movies that are the exact same movie, but from two different studios, like uh, Ants and A Bug's Life. Right. right. Most of those <laughs> were the fault of Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude. When he started <laughs> DreamWorks. <laughs> so they've always got these movies that are basically the same movie, but from two different studios. So that got me thinking. You know how they made Lake Placid versus Anaconda? If you say so. Somebody needs to make Deep Impact versus Armageddon. (laughs) (laughs) We need to have a movie about these two unstoppable asteroids hurtling towards each other. (laughs) And they're just going to duke it out. (laughs) Dude, dude, who would win in a fight? Deep Impact asteroid or Armageddon asteroid? (laughs) Which one would win? I don't know. I mean, I might watch this movie if there was like an anaconda on one asteroid and a crocodile on the other. (laughs) Dude. That'd be so great. (laughs) It's like in the Little Prince universe and (laughs) these two animals are piloting their asteroids at each other. Oh man, this is good. (laughs) I think the Deep Impact asteroid would win, not because it's the better movie or the more well-received movie, but simply because the Armageddon asteroid lost. The Deep Impact asteroid won, (laughs) right? Yeah, that, that is true. Well, with all this talk of asteroids and anacondas and alligators, I'm certain our viewers have already guessed that we are here today to talk about Sleeping Beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real, the podcast where we talk about crazy fan theories. Today we are going to be talking about the 2016 mostly romance, somewhat sci-fi, well, it's very sci-fi, but it's mostly a romance, called Passengers. Yeah, Passengers. So Starring I really Chris like Pratt. Passengers. Yeah, no, star-studded uh, cast Jennifer of Chris Lawrence, Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence, Michael enough, Sheen, Lawrence and Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> and that's it. No more. <laughs> Four people uh, are in this And movie. Michael Sheen plays the bartender. It was written by John Spates. It was directed by Morton Tildum. We're talking about a 2016 sci-fi remake of Sleeping Beauty that flew under everybody's radar, also known as Passengers. I bet you, our viewers, I'll bet you guys didn't know that Passengers is actually a futuristic retelling of Sleeping Beauty, the fairy tale myth from ages long gone. Wow, who blew your mind with that theory? Dude, you did. It was insane. Wow. I watched this oh, yeah, movie and I was like, hey, that was a pretty good movie. And you were like, I hated that movie. But I did think it was interesting that it was like a weird sci-fi <laughs> sleeping beauty. Well, see, here's the thing. I don't even consider that to be a theory. I just think that's pretty obvious. You watch it. It's it really is, an adaptation. It is really obvious. Beauty. And yet I somehow <laughs> didn't notice it. I'm, I was embarrassed that I didn't <laughs> notice it. It's so obvious. Because that theory is too obvious, the real theory we're going to be covering today is that in the movie Passengers, there was only one accidental malfunction aboard the Avalon, and every other malfunction we see in this movie was caused by a psychotic mechanic passenger named Jim Preston, who woke up too soon and resorted to sabotage and murder in order to make the object of his obsession fall in love with him. Wow. But yeah, also this is a sci-fi adaptation of Sleeping Beauty, but, you know, that's pretty obvious. Let's set the stage. They're on a spaceship. It's basically a huge luxury cruise liner, but instead of just taking, you know, a few weeks or a few months, it's going to be in route for like 120 years. It's on its way to Homestead 2. Everyone is put to sleep in hibernation pods, and they're going to wake up when they get there. What could possibly go wrong? Sounds wonderful. Well, and apparently nothing could possibly go wrong. 
this ship, the Avalon, has done this trip five times there and back. So it's wow. made the trip like 10 times, actually. This ship is a thousand years old. Yeah, I was going to say a thousand years old. Humsa has been populated for a thousand years. That's and it crazy. has never, mm-hmm. ever had a problem before Jim Preston. <laughs> that is a little suspicious. So I was thinking we can go through like pretty rapidly all of the similarities, all the parallels between Passengers and Sleeping Beauty. And then we could maybe talk about some of the more interesting points of the movie after that. And those might also work into your other theories. The first thing, this spaceship, when you first see it, kind of looks like a black dragon. <laughs> I mean, or it does. Uh, or like, I don't know, a bundle of thorns and brambles. Right, (laughs) having just watched Disney's Sleeping Beauty, like, it's a long, skinny black dragon that Maleficent turns into, and it's very pointy and angular. green fire as well. (laughs) Right. And now, obviously, the ship doesn't look exactly like that, but it's not silver. Like, it's not like the ship in 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's a black spaceship. It's made to look very black and very pointy, and it shoots Mm -hmm. fire, (laughs) as we find out later, which is kind of (laughs) weird. Mm-hmm. The ship contains a woman named Aurora, and the yeah, princess right, that's from Sleeping the most Beauty obvious is one. named Aurora. Aurora. <laughs> I can't believe I missed that the first time I watched it. Like, I know, like, it occurred to me. I was like, oh, Aurora. When Jim Preston starts talking with the bartender, Arthur, about Aurora, he immediately says, ah, the sleeping girl, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is just another way of saying Sleeping Beauty. He's basically saying yep. Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> sleeping he certainly girl. is. And you just mentioned Jim, who is our handsome prince of this movie. You might not like him, but you can't say he's not handsome. Sure. When he's not bearded and sitting next to her saying, you're funny. Yeah, well, (laughs) he gets pretty unhandsome, yes. No, he's he's a mechanic. That's kind of like a prince. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, not at all. Not at all. Oops. (laughs) Okay, so wait, you just mentioned that when he's sitting next to her with his big beard observing her from afar without yeah. her knowledge That's which is what exactly what say. the prince does the prince in the disney movie <laughs> from afar in the disney movie when the prince does finally come up to her he kind of like creeps up on her from behind and in this movie Absolutely. he kind of creeps up on her from behind but it's behind like a a fountain that's in the yeah. middle of the room oh, and he's like stalking her and watching her from behind things and then like as that. soon as he comes behind her he's like I love you. Yes, he does it. I know. When Chris Pratt started belting out the lyrics to that song, I was like, oh, Disney's going to have a field day with this. (laughs) No, wait, that didn't happen. (laughs) Wait, no. So, but along with the lines of that song, he, he may not say it word for word, but he does fall deeply in love with her and seem to think that they already have a relationship when they right. absolutely do not have a relationship, which is exactly what the prince does in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, he cuts into her song and says, we do know each other. We've met before. <laughs> and he falls in love dream. with her because of her song, because of her poetry or her writing. She's a songwriter in Sleeping Beauty, apparently. <laughs> but in this, <laughs> wow. she's just an actual writer and he falls in love with yeah. her because of her writing we also have in the sleeping beauty fairy tale and in the disney version the entire kingdom is cursed to sleep or wait for a hundred years the entire ship full of people cursed to sleep for a hundred years yeah seems pretty similar yeah, no, i got that one mm-hmm. too yep Aurora is awoken by the prince's love, <laughs> which she's awoken by his um, 
obsession <laughs> in the in the passengers but you know <laughs> but in the making of everyone who talked about the hibernation pods referred to them as trees and this huh. is because the hibernation pods are arrayed in a ring around a column that sprouts up out of the ground like a tree and has a canopy that goes over the uh, the pods and i thought that was really interesting because having the people sleep in trees kind of surrounded by thorns from these trees. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing in the uh, fairy tale. Specifically, right. the fairy tale, it says that in the castle and around the castle, there sprouted trees, brambles, saplings, yeah. bushes. But when the passengers do wake up, the whole place is overgrown with trees and thorns mm -hmm. and bushes yep. and brambles. Just like <laughs> because... exactly how they find it in the myth. And in the Disney movie, presumably, I don't think the dragon burnt all the brambles down. The first thing the pod does to wake you up is inject you with something. Her arm gets pierced with the spinning wheel with a needle instead of her hand getting pierced with the spinning wheel. Instead of a kiss waking her up and the needle putting her to sleep, it's kind of the opposite in this movie with the needle waking her up into the hell of being imprisoned. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but anyway. When it clicked for me that this actually is Sleeping Beauty was when you described to me Chris Pratt fighting the fire-breathing dragon with his magical shield, his magical fireproof shield protecting him to save the kingdom from destruction, the kingdom being the ship. And I was like, this is Sleeping Beauty. That's the last shot in Sleeping Beauty. One of the most iconic shots from Sleeping Beauty is when he holds up his shield and he's blocking that green fire, you know? And then Chris Pratt chops off this door, holds it. He says, it's a heat shield. And then he just goes out there and blocks fire from this dragon-like spaceship that for no reason shoots fire. <coughs> I know it's overheating. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it needs to shoot fire. It doesn't make no. any sense. And I, the first time watching it, I liked the movie a lot. We got to this part. I still liked it, but I was like, man, that's so contrived. Could they not have come up with a better no, problem for him to solve? Reason no, to have it, it had to be this problem this because it had beauty. to be a fire-breathing dragon. It was necessary for this to be a Sleeping Beauty retelling. I yeah. love it. I no, love and, it. and like, obviously I noticed the Aurora thing, but the first time I watched it, that was when it clicked for me too, was when he had the shield and was blocking fire with it. I was like, oh, and then all of a sudden I, I liked the movie a little bit more at that point. I was like, that's kind of cool. This is a Sleeping Beauty retelling in space. We've gone over the main similarities and parallels, I think. Those were all that I had. That's all, all I've got, too. And just to be clear, now we are covering the theory not about Sleeping Beauty. This is yeah. the theory that Jim was a psychopath. That the only thing that ever malfunctioned on the ship was just Jim's pod. Every other yes. thing that went wrong was from Jim's sabotage of the ship and later he murders gus okay so they're flying along and one meteor gets through the heat shield of the avalon i believe that this one meteor getting through is the only malfunction that the avalon encounters and it's minor it just messes with one pod jim preston and he wakes up early that is all Oh, here's okay. how I know that we don't actually see the meteor strike the ship we follow the meteor we see it burning up as it goes through the shield, and then mm -hmm. the camera continues through the shield, but there's nothing in front of the camera, and then I it agree. cuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's true. Um, we do see the ship computer. It quickly and easily repairs all systems. It shows all the systems that are red, and it changes them to green. As Lawrence Fishburne explains later, green is good, red is bad. The one system that does not get repaired, it's Jim Preston's pod. That's the only thing. Every other system was repaired. 
I have to ask you a question here. If this is your hypothesis, then how do you explain the gaping hole in the engine room? We see many of the tools that Jim Preston has that he's using to actively destroy this ship. Aurora stares in like horror and wonder at these tools for one shot after she wakes up. And one of them is a jackhammer, or at least a mm -hmm. very heavy-duty jackhammer-looking tool. Yeah. So he definitely has the tools to make holes in the ship if he wants to. And we see him doing it. He makes holes all around the bridge room. He just can't get into it because it's reinforced. But there is one deleted scene where Lawrence Fishburne, Gus, he explains the problem in further detail to Jim. He takes him to the ship's main CPU and shows Jim that I think one or two of the cores of the CPU has burnt out. And he says, this is the problem. This is why, you know, there, there are these errors and then the ship tries to fix them. But then more errors come. The reason is because this core burnt out. So there's too few cores that are shouldering the load here. And every once in a while, it gets overwhelmed and errors happen and then it does its best to fix them. This is no argument against my theory, because during this deleted scene, he also kind of looks at yeah. Jim Preston and gives him a surprise <laughs> look. It's like, wow, you're you a know pro. how to do this. Like, <laughs> like Jim you know already how knows how to do on everything on with these ship. CPUs and replace them. He clearly yeah. knows how this he's thing already works and he's causing engineer. problems to cause more problems. He knows that if he overloads the computer, more stuff will go wrong, which is what he wants to happen. I just have to say, I do love the scenes of him getting ready and psyching himself up and yeah. being all ready to what meet all the other passengers <laughs> and then slowly realizing that he's all alone. He's going like, to wear his cool he jacket. He's just a like guy with a cool guy. jacket, cool but no, jacket. he doesn't wear his cool jacket. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I, I thought it was no, great. No. I thought it but was But this is important scene. because this is a guy who's all about image. He will do anything to protect his image and he mm -hmm. likes to be liked. So he meets the the bartender, and I love the bartender. His name is Arthur. He's oh, probably bartender one of the best characters the in best this movie. Best character in the entire movie. And his actor movie. is just so amazing good. at always staying character. What an actor. He is one of the most accurate portrayals of how a humanoid robot would work in the future. I love it when he says, Jim, these are not robot questions. <laughs> right. He's just like, I can't have this conversation. <laughs> but like, I mean, it would be It's it like would do Alexa that. saying, I'm sorry, I don't know that. Exactly, yes. <laughs> And I like that he's not sinister, he's not evil, he has no ulterior motives, he has well, no motives at all, because he's a robot. <laughs> I think okay. it's really good. Now, I, I agree with you that he himself is not sinister. I would say that there is something sinister about him, and let's get into that. There, so, there is. Jim Preston, I think, should be really more creeped out when he's alone on the ship, and the only person he finds is the bartender from The Shining. <laughs> also, the exact Whoa. bar from The Shining. It yep. even has the Shining rug pattern on the floor, and this is completely sure intentional. It is. They talked about it in the making of. They were all like, yeah, so we designed the entire ship in this one way. But then when we designed the bar, we were like, let's go Art Deco. Let's go old fashioned. Let's go shining. <laughs> and then they yeah. talked about how they did the rugs, they did the bar, and they even framed every shot to be Kubrick-esque in the bar. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. wow. No, <laughs> this bar is they really creepy. Did that. <laughs> you know, at first I, I wasn't quite sure why I was creeped out by the bar. And then I, I you know, realized, oh, this is the bar from The Shining. This is the gold room. Now, mm -hmm. the question is why? Now, as a film student, I read a required cinematography book where a veteran cinematographer tells a story about 
him and a bunch of other cinematographers were critiquing a young cinematographer who had just shot a short film. And he had one shot where he had the main character's head framed in the center of like, behind him, there was a poster on the wall of Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. This young dude was proud of this shot because it looked cool, but the other cinematographers were confused. They're like, why did you do this? Why frame your main character's head in front of a poster of Travis Bickle? Are you trying to say he's a psychopath like Travis Bickle? And this young cinematographer was confused. He was like, no, I just thought it looked cool. And all the veterans were like, no, you never do that. Everything in your shot means something. (laughs) So I think if they put one of the most iconic evil bars in cinema history into this movie, it must mean something. As we will see later, this bar is where Jim Preston slowly goes insane in an isolated place, just like Jack Torrance. Okay. It's foreshadowing, telling us that Jim Preston is not only going to go crazy, but he will murder someone by the end of this film. It's exactly what they're doing, yes. I mean, maybe not with the murder, but but no, they are absolutely foreshadowing that he's going crazy completely, like intentionally. (laughs) But in The Shining, Jack only murders one person, and I would argue Jim only murders one person. And just like Jack Torrance in The Shining, it is also an African-American man who shows up randomly and dies instantly. Yeah, I know. It's just like in The Shining. Yeah, (laughs) completely. He shows up already and and saves the day and then just gets accidental. (laughs) Okay, I'm with you. I like it. I like where you're going. So you're saying that Passengers is a modern retelling, modern sci-fi retelling of The Shining. Not, not, not. No, I like it. Just, I think that should be I'm the title of our episode. I'm saying that they're evoking The Shining to tell us something about this no, it is seemingly a mild-mannered character. Of you know, the Shining. This guy is psychotic. He's going to do some crazy mm-hmm. things. I love his descent into madness was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I actually went to see this movie in theaters because the trailers implied to me that it was going to be a psychological horror. Um, What with the shots of him going kind of crazy. And then the uh, robot uh, bartender, you know, freaking out and slamming its face all over the bar. So that was what I thought it was going to be going in. And Mm -hmm. it didn't disappoint because he does go crazy and do horrible things. So I Love the movie as a psychological horror. So I like where you're going with this. So important to the theory, there are three details I have to point out. He starts looking through manuals. And the first one he pulls out is the manual for the medical autodoc, which will uh-huh. be important later. Yeah, it will be. And we, we know that he reads all these manual and is an expert, as Gus <laughs> kind of later notices. The second manual he pulls out is the bar service module, which is Arthur. Uh And the last one is the hibernation pod manual. Now, these are the three systems he tampers with that allow him to murder Gus and trick Aurora at the end of the movie. He does. And this is intentional and it's canon. I can I can prove that. (laughs) But yeah, keep going. When we see him with tons of tools in front of the bridge and he's cutting into the walls, the very next shot, it shows the computer having tons of malfunctions. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, right after he does this. This isn't because Seems like of the meteor. he messed something up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then right after that is when the elevator malfunctions for the first time. Now, whether he's sabotaging it at this point, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I think it's pretty clear. No, I clear. think he was just being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just being an idiot right ship. here and he screwed up the ship with his tampering. But why else have that scene follow directly from the scene no, when he's it's, messing it's with the door on with purpose. big tools? It's very purposeful. <laughs> um, and then the next scene, he's messing with the robots. He's eating breakfast and he yells at them, get out of here. And then he starts feeding them. And then there's the extended scene where he leads them yeah, around wow. using food with a CG <laughs> yeah, but bowl. But then he's like, this, 
level of control does not amuse me and then throws the bull. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. And then <laughs> in this extended sequence, we get this really cool sequence where he tells Arthur, give me a new drink every day. And then after mm-hmm. a montage, he comes back and Arthur's like, I can only make a thousand cocktails. Oh, There's no, no drinks, drinks left. You've had them all. Then Jim looks really crazy and stares down. He's like, there are no more drinks. <laughs> Dude, Jack Torrance. <laughs> Jack Torrance. He's totally in the Jack Shining Torrance. Bar. I actually, and he's I got no, no beer, no TV. Mm-hmm. Make Homer no go something, left. something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's Simpsons. But this is right before he starts turning into a complete stalker and becomes totally mm-hmm. obsessed with Aurora and then gets her out. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing oh, a really good scumbag. job here. How could he this. do that to her? He is so them. horrible doing that to her he is irredeemable yeah. doing no, he's that disgusting to her. he's watching her sleep while also watching her video that she made at the same time and then looks at her and he's like you're funny mm-hmm. so he says you're funny about something she said that is not particularly no, funny. It's not funny she said the ship is like a school bus but the bus takes 120 years to get here yeah, it was not, not clever that clever. Or funny. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> and then, oh, the most psychotic line. Do you ever read something if you like it's written just for you? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally not written oh, for you, Oh, it's so dude. stalkery. She did not write that for you, dude. Nope. She doesn't know you. <laughs> I thought that it was pretty telling for our Jim that it only took one year for him to go utterly, completely balls to the wall crazy and just doom this girl to a life in solitary. That was something I was going to talk about. Like, it just has so much less effect now that we've been in a pandemic for over two years where it's like, dude, it was just a year, man. Come on. You had we were in a pandemic in our houses. We couldn't go to like random restaurants and be the only person there and not have to wait in line and also like just go do dance parties whenever we want. Mm. So, yes, gross Jim wakes up Aurora. We're there. And then he asks her on a date using a cute robot that he fixed up himself. Like, it seems so cute yeah, and sweet. Yeah, and attached wait a, a camera to, to <laughs> spy on her. Yeah, he's spying on her. And we know that he can tamper with and control robots. And that is going mm-hmm. to be important later on, too. Also, she swims naked in the pool and he's just like peeping in on her he's like yeah she's doing this for me this is for me right now that's right why she turns it. around and smiles at him like this is for you so either this is like a male wish fulfillment <laughs> fantasy and i can't stand it mm-hmm. or he's just a psycho jack Torrance weirdo and he's imagining this <laughs> yeah <laughs> that she's like oh i'm doing this just for you i do love that swimming pool though that's so cool i wish i was on a spaceship with an infinity pool but what if the gravity turned off dude Wait, what if the gravity turned out? Oh, no. Then I'd be like stuck in a giant ball of floating water. And if I ever tried to swim, it would push the ball along with me because there'd be no gravity to force it back down. And I would just be stuck and drowning. That would be uh-huh. horrible. Yeah, that would suck. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, that actually happened to me in virtual reality once, which I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> oh. Uh, so he takes uh, Jennifer Lawrence on a date. Uh, they go on a spacewalk. Uh, which he has already done before, uh, very suicidally. But anyway, he apparently has no friends or family to speak of back home. He never mentions them. He doesn't seem to be particularly conflicted about leaving home and everyone behind. Now, Aurora, on the other hand, is very conflicted and had like tons of friends, but she wants to be a great writer. So she sacrifices all of that. (laughs) Her friend left her just the meanest, worst 
I know. Ever. Oh man, it is a horrible. That's just gonna message. make you sad. <laughs> After she's but like, dead. also, I mean, everything she's saying, she's like basically telling her, "Stop trying to be great. Stop aspiring to anything. Just you know, settle for whatever life settle you have." Settle for Chris Pratt, dude. Yeah, that's all her friend <laughs> is telling her. And I was like, "Wow, her friend hates her." And my wife, right. we were watching the movie together. She pointed it out to me. She's like wow, her friend doesn't seem to like her very much. <laughs> I was like, you're right. Her friend is just being mean. <laughs> there is an extended scene where we learn a little more about Jim Preston. Jim and Aurora get tacos for Taco Tuesday. Aurora asks him about himself. He says he's from Denver. And she says, so what were you there? A musician, a lumberjack, a serial killer? He gives her sort of a half smile and says, I was a lumberjack serial killer. <laughs> Like he oh, looks her no, straight in the eyes was. and says, I was a lumberjack serial killer. He sure <laughs> and then was. he's like, oh, ha ha. No, I'm an engineer. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. he's joking, but this is the only clue we get to his backstory. Obviously, he is some sort of mechanic engineer person, but like maybe he was a serial killer. Maybe he's telling the truth to her in that moment. Because, you know, sometimes you want to share the truth and then you realize, no, I got to pretend like it was a joke because obviously she can't take that. But did you see the other deleted scene after they broke up when she calls him and she is Satan? (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. That was when I was like, wow, this really is an anti-woman movie. (laughs) Yes. I'm glad they cut this out because she is depicted as so evil. And you're just like, no, Chris Pratt is evil. This is after she's learned his secret and she's really, really mad at him for waking her up. It was a deleted scene where she calls him on the video phone and she's acting all nice and drunk. And he's like, ooh, oh, she likes me again. And she's like, oh, I've been thinking and drinking, thinking and drinking. And then she suddenly turns evil and gets bathed in red light. And she's like, do you think I would ever talk to you if we weren't alone on this ship? Do you think I would ever go out with you if we weren't stuck here on this ship? Do you think I could ever love someone like you? And each time she asks a question, it like zooms in on his face and he's like a little more puppy dog eyed than before and he's like no (laughs) but then if you look at it from this perspective of like chris pratt you know from his perspective Uh she's this terrible demon which she doesn't understand (laughs) like she's bathed in red light the whole time and she's like i know (laughs) it's very intentional i could never like i actually thought he was going to wake up at the end of that scene and it was going to be a dream is it time for Lawrence fishburne to do what he does best Show up and die in a sci-fi movie? (laughs) That's what he does. Yes, I do believe it's about time to do that. Jim Preston is all about manipulation and long-haul plans. How do I know that? He spent the first half of this movie planning on how he would wake up Aurora. He read the whole manual. He spent a year planning this. We know he did that. And we are expected to believe that after she breaks up with him, he's just going to stop scheming? I think not. I think he has a plan to win her back, and it's going to take all the scheming he's got. And that brings us to Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. Can I ask you a question? In between this time when Lawrence Fishburne wasn't here and when he shows up, did Jim at any point trap Aurora in her room for two days so he could go and drill a hole in the engine? Yes, he did. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I we'll get to <laughs> right about now. I have a theory that Jim Preston actually manually woke up Gus. There was only one pod failure. So uh-huh. Jim Preston realized that to get Aurora Lane back, he would need to step up his game. 
Right, he'd need to redeem himself. And the only way to do that is to make a big problem. But he can't cause any huge problems because he doesn't have clearance access to the big places like the bridge or the engineering room. He needs a crew member wristband. uh, And to get that, he needs to wake up a crew member. But he can't get it if the crew member is still alive. What's he going to do? Kill a man? Gus gets them into the bridge using his wristband and tells them not to touch anything. What does Jim immediately <laughs> Chris Pratt immediately do? starts touching everything. He's like, press <laughs> buttons? Well, okay. It's like, yeah. dude, you are not a four-year-old. You're a grown man. <laughs> Don't touch those buttons. This yeah, is a I, spaceship. <laughs> what are you it's because he's been waiting to get in here for, it's been yes, like two years now. itching to touch those buttons. <laughs> Now, it's possible he messes with more things in the bridge than what we see. We're not watching him the whole it's time. It's probable that he does. Now, first thing when they get in the bridge, Gus says that they are still on course and Navcom is still active. Now, that is the confirmation of the fact that the only systems that aren't malfunctioning seem to be the important ones that Jim couldn't access. <laughs> I wonder why. Maybe because those systems are the most redundant and well-protected because they matter most? They come out of the elevator off of the bridge and a robot falls from the ceiling as soon as they get out, right on their heads. Almost like yeah. in this place there is some it's sort like of trap. like almost supposed to kill, uh, <laughs> kill for Lawrence Right, because Jim Gus. only needs Gus's wristband. He has to kill Gus. Mm-hmm. This robot was meant to kill Gus, but it missed. Now, mm-hmm. this is also the exact model of robot we saw him tinkering with and sabotaging earlier and using to spy on, on Aurora. If only there was some other robot he could use to murder this man, maybe with (laughs) some form of liquid he could ingest. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But he tells us that there are 15 robots that have been messed with. Now, that's a pretty exact number. He's been keeping quite a watch on these because he's the one who's been sabotaging them and messing with them. That's Uh why earlier in the movie, we see him staring at this droid as it like goes into the wall because he's like, huh, I just programmed it to do that. Like he was testing them back then. Mm hmm. Now, Aurora says the breakfast machine went crazy. The same breakfast machine that we saw Jim Preston getting mad at and trying to break earlier in the film. He's like poking at it and hitting it. And it just so happens to break right after Jennifer Lawrence stops giving him gold yep, breakfast. Yep, stops giving her his special <laughs> breakfast, yeah. Right. Absolutely. We know he hates he his steer's breakfast. He clearly back. busted that machine. And then is when, as you already alluded to, Aurora says she was trapped in her room for two days. And Jim Preston, feigning ignorance, is like, oh, dear, I didn't what? even know about you? that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right after she punched him in the face and was considering, like, killing him, she gets locked in her room for two days. I mean, come on. Obviously, this was him getting back at her. He was like, she's dangerous. I'm going to lock her in her room for a little while, get her out of the way and also start sabotaging the ship a lot more. Definitely. I I mean, even if you're just watching this movie casually, um, from her perspective, he would be the most likely culprit for that. Like, I'm certain that she assumed he locked her in there for two days. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. Also, that would have been a prime time those two days for him to, you know, do the thing he needed to on Gus's pod. Oh, he did have an elevator problem a few moments ago, like right before Gus shows up, where it's like the elevator drops and almost chops him in half. But the thing is, That happens when he is already in the elevator messing with it. He has like a box of tools and stuff. So clearly he was sabotaging that elevator, maybe to kill someone, like say the guy Uh he just woke up who shows up right after that. But it kind of went haywire and almost killed him first. Yes. 
So, but we know that you're basically Jim is- saying that Chris Pratt just had a bit of an elevator problem, and Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> is about to have a bit of a champagne problem, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It also shows that uh, Jim is willing to do very dangerous things to achieve his goals. Gus sends Jim and Aurora to check out different levels. Gus goes down to the hibernation pods. Preston immediately meets him down in the hibernation pods. Uh-huh. Gus asks, he doesn't do what he aren't you supposed to, to be checking out your levels? And he's like, I'm finished. <laughs> he didn't check them. He doesn't care. He knows they're the problems that are on those levels because he caused them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so then Gus tells us that Jim Preston's pod malfunction was just a simple failure where the clock chip burnt out. Okay, I can buy that. Maybe that was an accident. For Gus's, it was a whole bunch of systems all went wrong at the same time. Now, that's uh-huh. obviously not just a coincidence. That happens no. when someone is sabotaging your pod and waking yeah. you up. Gus Mancuso goes to the bar with all of them. He orders a drink from Arthur. We see him try to lift up that drink and he kind of spills it. Maybe he didn't drink it. But we don't know. He could have taken a sip from it at some point. And so it could be that this is why he starts to get sick. Jim Preston. He hacked into Arthur, the bartender. Right. He hacked into Arthur. And programmed him to poison Gus's drink. That's what you're saying. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And how do we know that he could do that? Well, he had Arthur's manual. And then later on in this movie, when Arthur is malfunctioning, he vaults over the bar, goes down to the base of Arthur, opens him up and knows exactly which chip to pull out to turn him off. Like he Mm -hmm. knows how Arthur works. (laughs) Like in a moment of crisis, he's ready. Canonically, I can prove that he hacked into Arthur. So in the passenger's VR experience, which really supports your theory a lot, Basically, it is an officially licensed uh, VR video game that you can play in the passenger's universe where you wake up as a passenger on the ship during the events of the movie. It may be during them or it may be slightly after. They don't actually say. If it's after, then Chris Pratt has murdered Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) If it's during, then it's before he woke her up. No, we don't. <laughs> um, so we don't see them as, you know, an old couple tending to the ship. We just see a ship full of grass. <laughs> but anyway, in Passengers Awakening, basically you're woken up just like Chris Pratt was woken up and the screen talks to you and is like, welcome to the Avalon. You know, get ready. You're in orbit around Homestead 2, blah, 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 blah. And as it's doing that, Chris Pratt, he keeps cutting over on the loudspeaker and saying, hey, hey, listen to me. This is Ignore her. This is not what's going on. You got to get over and help me with this. You find out as you continue that Chris Pratt tells you that he woke you up from stasis to help him. He's at it again. Because he is, yes. Because you are the only um, officially certified engineer on board who's qualified to handle like the M2 remote all-in-one multi-tool. Basically, it's just the VR wand that you're holding. Eventually, he takes you into the bar where you meet Arthur, and he tells you outright, he says, this is Arthur, the robotic bartender. I hacked into him a long time ago and have been using him to get data out of the Avalon subsystems. He has done this. It's canon. (laughs) It is confirmed in this officially licensed Sony video game acted by Chris (laughs) Pratt. (laughs) He hacked into Arthur. It's done. 
Arthur then does the thing from the movie where he slams his face on the table and freaks out. And I was like, oh, they totally put that in VR. I love it. And then uh, you have to turn him off and open him up and like fix one of the chips that burnt out in him. So that's kind of fun. You go through the pool area and oh, no, zero gravity happens and you get stuck in the water. Oh, no. (laughs) Why did you go in there? It's not a hallway. There's only one door in. (laughs) Chris Pratt told you to go in there and he's like, oh, I hope while you're in there, gravity doesn't cut out. That would be bad. (laughs) And then it does. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, he's doing it to you. (laughs) Oh, he's totally doing these things. So continuing on with Gus, he says there are systems shut down everywhere, but no apparent connection. But we know there is one connection, and it's Jim Preston. It's Jim Preston. Shortly after this, Aurora is talking to Gus, and she accuses Jim Preston of murder. She calls him a murderer. I mean, she's saying it metaphorically. No, but... no she's talking about <laughs> Gus. <laughs> she's Gus saying he's murdered you. <laughs> I think I this know. is maybe a meta-level hint that's like, Jim Preston is capable of murder. And Gus says, you're right, Aurora, but the drowning man will always drag someone down with him telling us in no uncertain terms that this is a man who's willing to kill everyone else and if he is going desperate. down. He'll do anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He'll bring down the ship with himself. Then, then Jim Preston walks in with another robot that he just broke and happily announces, this one makes 16. 16 oh, robots no. I've destroyed. <laughs> Stop breaking more robots. <laughs> He's so proud of himself. All right. Gravity gives out. Gus is dying. Even the engine and navigation systems seem to be having problems now. Coincidence that these protected systems are now suddenly having problems right after Jim finally got access to them? Hmm. Gus is dying and they take him to the auto dock, which diagnoses him with 612 disorders and hours to live. And what does the auto dock prescribe him? Suicide pills. That's all it (laughs) gives him. It's like, kill yourself. (laughs) That's all it does. Who do you think might have told the autodoc to tell him that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Probably Jim Preston. Even if your hibernation pod malfunctioned and caused tons of problems in you, I think you would come out of it with tons of problems. But Gus was fine when he came out. Yeah. He's been just. He's got a little cough, but, you know, he's been getting worse and worse. And I think it's because, you know, he got poisoned by Jim somehow. Yeah. Surely Jim Preston couldn't cause 612 disorders to kill this man. Well, he didn't. We know that all the systems in the ship are malfunctioning because of Jim Preston. The autodoc discovers 612 disorders, or at least that's what it says. But we know it's malfunctioning because if you look at the 612 disorders that it diagnoses him with, it scrolls through all of them. And they're actually only about six disorders that have been copied a hundred times. Oh, no. (laughs) Jim, you got lazy. I don't think these disorders are correct. One of them is syphilitic aortitis, which is the final stages of syphilis. Oh no! <laughs> so Jim what have you gave been doing him in syphilis. Gus. <laughs> now, before Gus dies, he gives Jim Preston the one thing Jim needs: a crew member ID wristband. <laughs> Why wouldn't he give this to Aurora? Like she's so much more reliable and believable, and you know, a good person than Jim. Right. Jim Preston says he needs Aurora's help to fix the ship and then grabs her hand and runs down the hall. Aurora asks, can't we wake up some of the crew? (laughs) She's finally thinking about the one thing they should have thought of to begin with. Jim Preston immediately shoots that down, saying, we don't have enough time to wait for them to recover. He already got rid of one crew member. He has the only thing he needs from the crew members, so he certainly doesn't want another one screwing up his plan. Why would I wake up more crew members? (laughs) So weirdly enough, they reach a door that even Gus's wristband won't get them into. 
And Jim Preston suddenly knows how to open locked doors within seconds. Yeah, Jim Preston. But it means that he has presumably maybe been able to get in here before if he knows how to get in here already. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So Jim Preston is very quick to say, this is from the asteroid that hit us when he finds the holes in the ship. He doesn't know that. I think he comes in here, sees the holes he drilled (laughs) and says, blames it on something else. This is from the asteroid that hit us, quickly planting the idea of an asteroid into Aurora's head. head. Then he's quick to say the ship has replacement parts for everything. So he already had a plan for how to fix this to begin with. (laughs) But then he's willing to put his own life in danger by standing in front of the fire just to look like a hero. Is he really Hmm. that crazy? Let's look at this scene. So he's really quick to know what to do. He replaces the computer's main processing core. And then he's like, I'm going to go out and be a big hero. This was confusing to me as well, how he diagnoses this problem like within instance. Because I could barely understand what was going on, even just watching the movie. And I wasn't having my adrenaline pumping in a life or death situation. There is a room of infinite fire. Apparently there's too much fire. There needs to be less (laughs) fire. And how do we get rid of some fire? By venting it. So they try to vent it, and he immediately knows that the specific vent door that they need to open won't open. The fact that he knew to vent the fire and then knew that that door was what was the problem, just like that, (laughs) was kind of weird. Seems like a problem that he contrived. But anyway. This is the biggest part of his con. He gives Aurora Gus's wristband, because this is going to be important. Then he leaves as Aurora tearfully says, Jim, come back to me. I can't live on this ship without you. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really, really going hard here. He's going to get her back. And then he's mad at her for punching him. So he's set up a booby trap to shoot her in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> he's so mad now, at her. He gets her back. <laughs> I don't know necessarily if he set up a booby trap in that room. I, th- well, I mean, I guess in a manner of speaking, he did because he's been sabotaging the ship. I do think it's having an actual problem. And I think Aurora is actually the only one in danger here. Jim is supposedly outside in space. I do think he actually went out to space on a spacewalk. I don't think he's actually fighting off a dragon with a shield. (laughs) But they're on the comm link with each other. And Jim asks, what's wrong when Aurora screams? She lies and says, it's nothing. When Jim encounters a problem, instead of telling her it's nothing, he specifically tells her, I'm being a self-sacrificial yeah. hero. He's like, I have he to hold the door exactly open. what he's doing. Yes. He's so like, all the fire can get out. reason, <laughs> this door, which is supposed to automatically vent the magical fire, won't open by itself. And when I open it manually, I have to hold it open and stand right. in front of the fire. It's the dumbest, stupidest, most it's, contrived It's so thing. stupid. And I don't think it's, it's happening. So I think this I is Aurora. It. He's telling her what's happening and she's imagining it. She's like, now I can't live without you, Jim. I won't open the door. And he's like, you have to do this. My life isn't as important as the people on this ship. I'm so great and cool. And the whole time he's like grunting and screaming all for her benefit at when she opens the lever. He's like, oh, the flames, they burn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't say that. The shield, it does nothing. <laughs> but when he's like kind of screaming and grunting as he's supposedly blocking the fire, why does he even have the comm channel open it's because he's putting on a show for her. Uh, definitely. <laughs> this... Well, and that heat shield that he has, if, even if it worked, which it wouldn't, wouldn't. Um, but even <laughs> if it worked, first of all, it would have melted. He'd lose his legs. <laughs> and second of all, it's not covering the top of his head or the bottom of his feet and legs. So he would have had his scalp and his feet right. melted off. 
And also there would have been no heat shield left because how do heat shields work? When a ship is re-entering the atmosphere, it does have an actual heat shield in real life. Spaceships have heat shields. What do they do? They burn up. That's their entire job is to burn up so that the ship doesn't. If his heat shield was working, it would be gone by the time he's done here. It's not gone. It's perfectly intact. And he pushes off of it later to save himself. So uh, his heat yeah. shield is a little suspicious. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's only two explanations for this. Either Jim is a psychopath and none of this happened and he's just narrating this to Aurora and she's imagining it. Or, or it's a badly written contrived ending to a movie just to redeem some irredeemable prick. Yes, that. Or the third possibility that we already discussed, this is an adaptation of Sleeping Beauty and it exists purely Yeah, for Sleeping that Beauty is fighting the dragon <laughs> with his magic shield. Wow. Kill him all episode. All right. So after he saves the day, he narrates all the things that are happening for Aurora. He says, I got blown out of the tube. My tether's broke. I can't come back to the ship. Now, I think that all he was doing was out in space with his tether attached and he only detaches it when Aurora comes out just to put on the show for her so she can rescue him. So he's like, this is a really an ingenious plan because not only does he make himself the hero, he makes her he makes the her hero. save him. And then he's her patient and you got that Florence Nightingale thing going on where she falls in love with him because she takes him back to the auto dock. But like, isn't this really dangerous? Well, we know that Jim Preston as we've seen before, was suicidal on his first spacewalk. So he's not necessarily afraid of danger or dying. He's crazy. Well, and he was practicing. We saw him practice this. He practiced this with Aurora. He taught her how to go out on a spacewalk and hold on to him, which is what she does here. All right. So she takes him to the autodoc, which we know has been tampered with. The autodoc is like, he's dead. I can't resuscitate him. No. Without someone's wristband authority, which makes no sense. It says it needs a real doctor to do a life-saving exercise. You would think that a life-saving exercise would be one of the few times when you could override that for an emergency. If the guy is dead, he's not going to get more dead if the computer <laughs> messes up because a human isn't there. <laughs> it's true, but generally they don't like torture dead bodies just on the off chance it will come back to life. So <laughs> Aurora disagrees, but it doesn't matter because Jim Preston is not actually dead. He set this up. We know he has the auto doc manual. He can control it. And that's why he gave her the wristband so she could be the hero. And then even after she tries to resuscitate him, Jim puts on this show of pretending to be dead. He's going to make her feel how he felt. He's going to make her feel the guilt. She called him a murderer. Well, he's going to show her how it feels to not be able to save someone. He's going to turn her into this pathetic crying, racked with guilt. And only then does he come back. And then as soon as he opens his eyes, she's all giddy with excitement. She climbs on top of him and starts kissing him. Either this is a ridiculous male wish fulfillment fantasy or he's an evil genius who conned her into loving him. The second one. The second one. <laughs> That's the <laughs> <Yes>. one. <laughs> no. Okay, so how does how does she and the autodoc revive him? Do they I don't know, defibrillate him? Is that what they do? She does all the things. There's like everything. She does everything. She defibrillates him. She injects him with, I don't know, adrenaline. They do like a ton of things that don't exist now, but maybe will exist in the future. Like all kinds of different therapies, all kinds of, of different like life-saving techniques. <laughs> right, yes. Some sort of stem cell injection crap. So they, they do all kinds of stuff. And that specific scene, that is taken directly from the Sleeping Beauty fairy tale. So I'm going to read you a paragraph. This is when um, Sleeping Beauty, when Aurora dies because she got her hand pierced by the spindle when she falls asleep. The entire household staff finds her. 
They gather around Princess Aurora, and here's all the things that they try to restore her. They dashed water on her face. They unlaced her. I assume that means her corset. They slapped her hands. They tickled the soles of her feet. They burned <laughs> wow. feathers under her nose. They rubbed her temples with hungry water. <laughs> they held mm. consultations over her by twos huh. and threes. I assume that's like a seance. I don't know. Okay. And again, in grand committee, but nothing would bring her to. And as reading that, I was just like, whoa, they literally took every possible resuscitation technique in the book and did everything and i was like that's kind of interesting because I, I was comparing that to like nowadays i was like would the doctor just literally freak out and do everything if a patient died no he probably wouldn't like splash water on their face tickle his feet burn feathers under their nose and then i was like but that is what they did in passengers mm -hmm. when chris pratt died she, she literally the pushed things. the do everything button right. <laughs> so and if jim preston was actually dead and the autodoc was working and did all these things to him i don't think it would work to resuscitate him i think it oh, would just probably kill be him bad more. for him <laughs> so yeah but that's more evidence totally sleeping beauty though there you go we proved it. yeah no sleeping that's beauty. good sleeping beauty evidence good job so quick question he was willing to put his life in danger by detaching himself and flying out into the unknown forever furthermore he poked a hole in his suit and froze to death like he was willing to freeze because he's definitely frozen when she him yeah. Back in. Uh, no, I think maybe he just, uh, uh, gosh, there's got to be something. He didn't do that until she had a hold of him. That was the cherry on top. He's like, okay, she's got me. Now I'll punch a hole in my suit and it'll look like I'm frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or it could be that, you know, he knows where all the storage containment places are. He knows where they keep the plants, the precious metals, everything. He might have just gone into the freezer for a few minutes because, like, he wasn't out there fighting the dragon as we already discussed he could have just been standing in the freezer for a bit so he looks frozen <laughs> <You Wow. know? laughs> and then he gets into Ooh. the suit which is insulated so it would keep him looking frozen for a little while well, and it doesn't insulate the frost <laughs> on his skin from the warmth of his body but... <laughs> quiet <laughs> no <laughs> well no the, the suit is really high tech it probably has some form of, of uh, temperature control of liquid well. nitrogen spraying on the person inside <laughs> <laughs> and no, then he's insidious. So, he knows, but he also he did not detach himself until he saw her come out he was saying he was detached but he actually wasn't and she still almost missed him he's very lucky she managed to grab right, the right. cable but as, as we know <laughs> he must have been questioning he practiced his this with her with tethers earlier but you know worst things worse if she missed wow she's gonna feel really guilty and at least she'll live for the next 90 years with that guilt. <laughs> there you go. Well, and if he can't get her back, he doesn't want to live anyway. He's obsessed with yeah. her. <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. Like, he's stuck on the ship for 90 years. Or is he? Are we about to find out oh. about a way out? We are. But first, it's almost over. And before we find out about this way out, it's not before they get rid of all the evidence of what Jim did. Aurora is fixing everything, including the bartender. And Jim is getting rid of the body of the man he murdered. <laughs> he, he shoots sure Gus is. out into space where his body can never be examined and no one can find out that Jim poisoned him. But yeah, they get back and he's like, look, there's a stabilize and suspend option in the auto dock. One of us 
could be stabilized and sleep the whole way, but only in the single auto dock, the one auto dock on this giant ship. Um, even though I said previously that there are replacement parts for everything in the ship. Well, uh, <laughs> that's a little problem. And he once again turns himself into this self-sacrificial hero, like, I'll stay, you go back to sleep. And supposedly she says, no, I'll stay with you. But we don't know if that really happens. Are you ready to hear my alternate ending that completely fixes this right, yeah, movie? Tell me the alternate ending, and then we'll sum up these theories. So, I came up with an alternate ending to this movie, which is all I see whenever I watch it. I don't even see the real ending anymore. <laughs> Chris Pratt goes out to fight the dragon. He puts up his heat shield. He holds the door open, and he's burnt to a crisp. He dies, but he saves the Halcyon, and he leaves Aurora all alone on the ship. She's feeling vindicated, but sad. She's anguished. She's, you know, lashing out and crying. And then we, we see her start to get more silent, start to go through the motions, kind of let herself go. Maybe she stops shaving. <laughs> Maybe she starts drinking. And then the movie ends with her sitting in the pod bay, staring at a pod with a handsome guy in it. <laughs> and then she looks down at the tools and then she raises Whoa. the tools up and the screen goes black. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. That's how the movie ends. She became Jim. <laughs> she Dude. was just like now him. That, <laughs> that would have been a far better ending. Dude, that's how the movie ended as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, that's a good ending. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> that's what I imagine every time I watch it. I love it. It's such a good ending. <laughs> All right. So to sum up. Was Passengers a modern sci-fi retelling of Sleeping Beauty? Yes, obviously. I blew your mind with that long yeah, ago. Yeah, it's, it's because <laughs> it's totally true and I, I can't believe I missed it. And I hope that our listeners will feel the same way because like, man, this is obviously Sleeping Beauty. It's Sleeping Beauty in space. It totally is. Do you believe Jim Preston is an evil scumbag yes. who murdered Gus and sabotaged Maybe. the ship just uh -oh. to get Aurora back. And also that the only actual malfunction that happened was his pod breaking down and nothing else on the ship was an accidental malfunction. Okay, that's a lot to take in, but let's go through it step by step. Okay, as far as Jim Preston being an evil scumbag. He very purposefully and with intent, like he had plenty of opportunity to think it over and decided to let her out of her pod, even though he knew it meant dooming her. He is a horrible person. And then next question. Did he sabotage the ship? Yes, decidedly <laughs> so. We know that he was tinkering with the elevators. He was tinkering with the robots. He was tinkering with the food dispensers. He was tinkering with the doors. Next question. Does it seem to you like there is something fishy about Gus's death? Yes, there's something fishy about his death. Like, it doesn't make sense. It feels like he woke up as the Dick Holleran plot device to basically just kind of like throw in a guy dying and making it serious and also giving them a quick way out while he dies. So, yeah, something's weird here. Well, there we go. Theory confirmed. <laughs> we did it. We've ruined passengers yes. <laughs> very thoroughly. <laughs> Even if you don't believe our theory, you've got that alternate ending. <laughs> and listeners, if there are any other movies that you like that you would want us to ruin for you, just let us know. You could talk yeah. to us on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. Yes. And if you like us ruining these movies, please remember to rate us, uh, subscribe, 
follow us, tell your friends about us. Uh, music for this episode is provided by Christine. And remember, the, the popcorn, popcorn isn't, isn't real. real.